0: to the rewind i'm josh and this is a podcast where i watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends today's episode is about indiana jones and the dial of destiny joining me today fresh off a horse ride through manhattan it's fred cobb fred what's going on
1: yeah i'm doing great although i will say i was a little surprised that you invited me uh for a discussion on the fifth Indiana Jones movie, when uh, there's obviously only a trilogy of Indiana Jones movies.
0: Oh, okay. Well, uh, we'll get into that opinion in a minute. I thought you were going to say you were surprised anybody you for a movie that had World War II in it, as opposed to World War One. <laughs> 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 Fred, Fred is the World War One movie correspondent, Josh, uh, and also joining me uh, as I as you just heard him, he uh, we dragged him out of a black market auction in Tangier. It's Josh Brown. Josh, what's going on?
2: Hey, hey, hey! Glad to be back. <laughs>
0: Yeah Josh is a uh, second 2023 uh release but it's first in like 6 months uh cuz you know uh he, he's been on the men but he's back to in the back in the movies with full force and you know uh if, if we had to you know uh talk about a movie from the uh Steven Spielberg family of movies even if he's not the director of this you know uh we're going to we're gonna have we're going to have Josh on for that uh but yeah Indiana Jones and the Dial Destiny, the first of the Indiana Jones movies not to be directed by Steven Spielberg it's produced by him obviously but directed by James Mangold uh with written by uh, Mangold and a few other people, including uh, veteran screenwriter David Kep and a couple guys I'm not familiar with, J- Jez Butterworth and John Henry Butterworth.
2: Yeah, the Butterworth brothers. Uh, what what believe, else have they done? I believe uh, Edge of uh, Tomorrow is oh, one shit. of their credits. that's, yeah. a,
0: that's a, okay. I, I I I feel bad. I, I kind of disrespected them there by saying that. They, they, they uh, uh, but they. they <laughs> well, probably, there's other
2: there's other there's other crap on their resume. To yeah, be fair. yeah.
0: And they but they they worked on they did Four versus Ferrari with Mangold. I had just forgotten that. But yeah, other stuff. Uh, maybe not as. Uh, something maybe maybe not as much as something to brag about but you know uh they they, they get on in this one because they are james Mangold collaborators uh the movie you know starts off in world war ii as so many of the other or not not even i mean there's other ones that deal with nazis before world war ii is really on their way but like we are in the heart of world war ii at the beginning of this as we see a dh harrison ford as indiana jones uh you know trying to uh g- getting caught by some nazis while trying to steal some stuff from them as he is wont to do uh but then he ends up on a train uh with his uh with his friend uh basil shaw who is played by Jones, they're attempting to retrieve a holy lance, uh, off of these Nazis. But when they come across on the chain, they realize it is actually a fake. But also on the train is astrophysicist Jurgen Voller, played by Mads mickelson He is, uh, you know, was supposed to retrieve this thing for uh for the Fuhrer because he was very obsessed with this thing. And uh, it turns out he realizes it's a fake, but he's like, I got this dial made by Archimedes, uh, the Antiky Ant- Antikythera, right? Is that my pronouncing right? Antikythera, uh they he, he's like this this is better trust me guys it'll, it'll it'll allow us to do a lot of cool stuff but indiana jones comes across it along with his partner they get it off the train they escape with it uh and we, we uh, right from the clutches of Voller. uh we jump back to uh what is 1969 where we see an old indiana jones who's lost his mojo a little bit is kind of sad because marion's left them since the events of kingdom of the crystal skull uh they've lost their son uh to the war uh we'll talk about that a little bit obviously later on but not in a great place but all of a sudden gets a visit uh gets a visit from helena shaw played by uh phoebe waller bridge who's his goddaughter and the daughter of basil she wants to kind of you know investigate what's going on with this old dial thing that india promised to destroy when it took over basil's life not so much he still has it and you know voler shows up in new york in modern times to take it from him and we are off to stop him from connecting the two parts of this dial, which could, you know, create fissures in time. And he'll do a lot of stuff with it, which he might do a lot of evil stuff with it. And we'll obviously get to that too. Um, Fred, I guess I'll start with you. I know you've, uh, you, you've like, I know you're a big Indiana Jones fan. You went back and you watched a lot of the old content in preparation for this movie. And so I guess I'm curious, taking into account what you went through in your damn near year long prep for this uh, movie. And the fact that like the, in kingdom of the crystal skull did not leave a great taste in a lot of people's mouth. I'm wondering what were you most excited about for this movie or uh, what kind of like, what, what were you, what were you most intrigued by? Given that like a lot of people were probably like f- fine to let bygones be bygones and never revisit this. Cause kingdom of the crystal skull got such a iffy reception and here it's like, all right, we're going to watch a DH Harrison Ford doing his thing. Like what, what were you most intrigued by about the prospect of this movie that really kind of got you to kind of revisit all the canon?
1: So people have very different relationships with this franchise. Mm -hmm. Obviously, most people are familiar with the trilogy that Harrison Ford did uh, in the 80s. And that's obviously one of the big franchises that Steven Spielberg did, which is kind of impressive considering how much stuff he has done throughout his career, that this is really still one of the big franchises that looms large. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there are other people who uh, dove even more into the franchise, and this is where I'm going to briefly plug The Adventures of Young Indiana Jones, which is a TV show that came out in the 1990s uh, that George Lucas was primarily in charge of. And it essentially took the opening scene of The Last Crusade with River Phoenix, where he played a 12-year-old Indiana Jones, uh, and expanded that idea um, in multiple different ways. Uh, It told the story of uh, eight-year-old Indiana Jones traveling around the world with his parents, accompanying his dad on a world lecture tour, meeting a whole bunch of famous historical figures at the time. Uh, and then there's the second part of that show where he's in World War One, Fitting, right? Me being <laughs> World War I correspondent. Um, where he um, enlists as a soldier first in the Belgian army, then he's a spy in the French army. Uh, once again, meets a whole bunch of historical figures in World War One, participates in some of the big battles and some of the major events. So that show was really intended to be First, a bit of a playground uh, for George Lucas to tinker around with new visual effects for his uh, new Star Wars prequel trilogy, but also to be a bit of an educational tool to be used in schools uh, to teach people about the early 20th century. And that show was very different than the Indiana Jones trilogy. It was clearly aimed at a younger audience, clearly aimed at families, and almost nobody watched it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, they had really ambitious plans for it it was supposed to lead into some of the characters that became important in the trilogy it was supposed to introduce Belloc, Indiana Jones' rival archaeologist from Raiders of the Lost Ark it was supposed to introduce Marion Ravenwood uh, and her dad Abner and none of that ever happened so Mm -hmm. the show really only ran for a few years got cancelled eventually and a lot of people still haven't heard about it Uh, it is as a quick side note on Disney Plus right now for people who are interested in checking it out all of that is to say, um, I stumbled upon that show when I was a young teenager already. Uh, my dad is a huge Harrison Ford fan. So I watched The Last Crusade when I was eight or nine years old, I think. That was my first Indiana Jones movie. I was traumatized for years <laughs> by that uh, scene at the end where Walter Donovan chose poorly and <laughs> ages uh, like a thousand years within five seconds. Right. So um, Indiana Jones was a big thing in our household growing up. And I would say what I was primarily excited about is because I've spent so much time with that character throughout that entire TV show where he was a kid, a teenager, and then, of course, the four movies where he's played by Harrison Ford. Uh, now, this was kind of going to be the capstone of his biography almost. Um, this is said in 1969. Uh, according to the TV show, he was born in 1899. So he's in his early 70s here. So this is really meant to be sort of the big step in his uh, sort of um, yeah, almost biogra- biographical experiences as an archaeologist, uh, as an adventurer, and I was kind of hoping that this was would sort of be the big last exclamation point before he like at the end of Last Crusade rides off into the sunset. You wanted a proper of...
0: send-off for him.
1: Exactly. Gotcha. That is kind of what I was really hoping for here.
0: Did you, did you come away satisfied? Not
1: particularly, no. Oh. Um, I will say, I mean, we can have a long discussion about uh, whether I thought it was necessarily a bad movie because I didn't think it was I didn't think it was atrocious I still mm-hmm. thought it was pretty entertaining, but of course there's always that discussion um whether a film is bad or whether it's simply superfluous. That's I good. would argue the most superfluous movie ever made is the Godfather part Three and mm-hmm. that is not necessarily Oof. a bad movie. I mean it's not a bad movie, I still think it's pretty good. I just don't think you really need it because at the end of the Godfather part two you really have a conclusion for all of these character arcs already. And then you really open them back up at the beginning of Godfather Part 3. And I think I have the same qualms with Indiana Jones at the Dial of Destiny, where I'm not really sure the place he finds himself at at the end of this movie is necessarily a more rewarding place than the end of Last Crusade or Kingdom of the Crystal Skull from either a narratively or a character building perspective.
0: It's interesting and in a distinction to uh, focus on for something like this, because I almost think I would say that like, I felt, like, I, f- I felt like there were certain parts of the movie that were superfluous, even if like I didn't come away thinking like, I didn't have a prevailing thought like, oh, they didn't need to make this thing. I was like, this is just a two and a half hour movie. And like, I don't ever, ever even if I would say it dragged for me at any point, but I would say like, there are parts of it that I certainly say, you could have easily just cut out and would have made it like, you know, more streamlined and whatnot. And I can get into that, but I want to, want to give Josh a chance to jump in Josh. Uh, as I noted before, like you're, I mean, you, you, you're known to care about Steven Spielberg's filmography. Uh, this obviously is not necessarily part of that as a director, but it's, uh, shares a lot of DNA with uh, four different movies that Spielberg made that came before it. So I'm wondering as someone that like, you know, was, uh, at least, I don't know if you necessarily like went into this, presuming you would be good, but you cared enough about it that you like, uh, it requested six months ago to be on this podcast so i'm i i'm i'm or seven months ago i think it was in december when we did the pinocchio podcast you you asked for it so i know you had your eye on it and i'm wondering uh one how, did you feel like uh james mangold was the right choice to like step into Stephen's shoes and two did you come away feeling that the movie had um m- more justified ex- its existence than it seems like fred did
2: so you know keep in mind like as you said like for me, about this franchise, the main ingredient is Steve. Um, And again, I like the Indiana Jones movies, but, you know, for as much of it, it's about the adventures or Harrison Ford. It for me is about Spielberg's direction. Right. And so, you know, like I was looking a little less excited for this one, especially because, you know, as much as like I've liked things that James Mangold has done in the past, like Logan and Copland, you know, he's kind of you know like a, a a competent studio journeyman director and so to answer your question about um what our was the right fit for this i would answer no because what makes the indiana jones movies e- even the fourth one special is the secret ingredient is spielberg's visual wit and like it, throughout this entire film like if you think about when this movie starts off like the prologue right and if you think about all four of the Indiana Jones movies like there's always like a setup a setup and like a visual gag that is paid off right and then and there's also an economy of storytelling within um these set pieces and then with this one um I didn't get a sense of that at all like the prologue the prologue in this film ran way too long right? And then throughout the entire film, like, you know, outside of Harrison Ford, and I guess Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character, none of the characters have any personality whatsoever and if you think about the indiana jones series throughout them whether it's belloc um or tots like the villains in indiana jones um and and raiders of the lost ark or Marion ravenwood or going to temple of doom a short round to last crusade with sean connery like there's always these memorable side characters and here none of them are given any personality so it's not just like the visual wit of like spielberg's direction that it's missing but it's just missing the wit of like the entire series like there's not really a funny moment throughout even if when they're like somewhat trying
0: so first of all on on the opening i agree i mean it's kind of a strange choice in my opinion like when the last crusade opening sequence of river phoenix is such an iconic sequence and is incredibly well done and has so much interesting stuff to look at i think it's like a bold choice to then start this one off with like a oh, even longer sequence on a train that is like less visually interesting to look at and at the end of the day like i think everything that everything that happened in i, I i'm not even talking about it from a cgi perspective like i didn't even really like wasn't even that bothered by how they made harrison ford look young it seemed like some people like really quickly picked up on the fact that it was like the old harrison ford voice coming out of the young body that didn't even... And register with me as i was watching it like I, I i didn't really object to that part of it more just like i, I mean, just kept thinking
1: i mean we all watched the avatar sequel where sigoni we was was coming out <laughs> of a teenage body right so, yeah, so, at, this so point, at this point there's precedent point. at this point yeah at this point yeah, like, i guess
0: i'm just used to it yeah and also like, the
2: de-aging does not bother me i when they first announced that they were doing this indiana jones movie I, I figured that they would have to de-age given harrison's age but um and also i think from a technical standpoint it's probably the best de-aging that like we've seen yeah i i
0: I, I know you're 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 probably a defender of the irishman but it's gotten better since then
2: you know yeah definitely
0: and yeah uh i guess i guess that's not the issue to me no but like i think it's just again i i i I find time looking at him it's just like there's just not a lot of other interesting stuff to look at on that train sequence and it goes on for so long i think you could have accomplished everything that happens on that with like three lines of expositional dialogue if you just started the movie in 1969
2: Well, and also like the other thing about it, you mentioned like Last Crusade as a comparison, because actually in that prologue, there's like sort of two nods to it. Yes, the train, but also there's even like a motorcycle chase that's very Mm -hmm. similar to the one in that one. But like the thing about that, like going back to like the economy of storytelling in the uh, previous entries is like, okay, why the Last Crusade sequence works, right? Because it's kind of doing like a lot of things that a lot of prequels like fail to do, which is. Basically, you get like an Indiana Jones like origin story, but it, and it's kind of funny. Like, okay, you get the his fear snakes, you get where he gets his like look, you see where he even gets his scar, like and then you establish everything. like everything yeah. within 10 minutes yeah his entire yeah.
1: personality born within like one scene yeah
2: yeah and it's all like and there's momentum it's it's, it's, it's like again you got the train sequence um you know and it, and it's just quick like it's very much get in and get out um while also being very dynamic very funny and that's sort of like the sp- Spielberg touch um, that is like missing and you can even even in the more maligned sequels like I was just re-watching like the opening to Temple of Doom where okay you have something very superfluous which is like the musical number but it's well done and (laughs) it also you have this like comedic thing about like okay Indy has to get the uh, anecdote while um, like uh, Willie Scott is chasing this diamond and then there's like balloons like to distract it and it's just like if you go back there's like one thing on top of another thing and like this movie never really does anything on par with any of those um uh set pieces in terms of just establishing character and doing it in a very economical way um and then like and again like um when it comes to this movie too like one of the problems also is just like all right, the MacGuffins not that interesting, and neither is the villains.
0: Yeah, so threw lot at me there. First, I'll say, I guess, the, well, I guess it kind of goes. Trying to think where, how I wanted to, how I wanted to attack all that because, you know, I think it's not even a matter of like for the villain thing. It's not even like a matter of it needed more space to breathe. I think that kind of goes to what you said about the other supporting characters, like they, they dot in all these people, but they don't really color them in. And they dot them in throughout the movie. They never really color them in with any personality. There's like so many of them that you rattled off just there. And it's like, I think there's just like so much you could have cut out of the movie and just if you decided to like, like you could have cut out a lot of stuff and maybe just like made it made Antonio Banderas a bigger deal or like you know or made uh or, or just like actually spent more time like with like the Boyd Holbrook character or something like that or yeah boring henchman
2: with mm-hmm. like like he and the girl are boring henchmen um the most glaring thing is like what is supposed to be the short round equivalent that kid has like that, no that personality yeah mm. no personality compare and again it, all right Temple of Doom very problematic movie for many reasons right (laughs) like let's just keep that in mind but you like looking back on it like this kid like makes me respect like jonathan i mean i keep on yeah
0: well well, so let me let me ask because i i i I, so i went back and i watched all all the first four in the last month just in anticipation Mm -hmm. of this i don't think i don't know if i had actually i feel like i might have watched raiders once uh since that but like i I watched all the perfect movie Sure, but I watched all of them in pretty quick succession in, because I'd never seen them as, like, a little kid. But, like, I watched them all, like, when I was, like, 15 or 16 or whatever right before uh, um, Crystal Skull came out. So, like, I don't think I would rewatched most of them since then, and I definitely not rewatched Crystal Skull since seeing it in theaters. So I've heard people, like, talk about it some, but I've never read up a ton on the earlier movies. Do they, do people, like, I feel like I saw some people say, make passing references to short round being kind of problematic. But like, that's just how Key quan talks. Like, he's, he's always had that kind of accent. He kind of does a little bit in the... I mean, maybe he's, like, playing it up a little bit because he's, like, an excited kid. But, like, he's it's not like the gate... Even though he was, like, lived in America since he was seven, he does have an accent. So I didn't... I wasn't sure, like, why people, like, were bothered by that. I was more bothered by his depiction of indigenous people. Well, I think it's... I think
2: it's complicated because, A, like, short round is, like, you know, I think... Uh, just the uh, name? Just, like, the name alone. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, I think also, yeah, like, he is speaking in a very... um yeah stereotypical like okay, accent. yeah okay. yeah like he like the, he has like all the affectations i think it, it, it's one of those weird things because like he's not the problem of that movie in my like i, I think the character itself is problematic but his performance is like the, one of the highlights of it mm-hmm. um versus like you know kate capshaw who is just b- bad character bad performance <laughs> Sorry,
0: Steve. Put some respect on Mrs. Spielberg's name, Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Disrespecting dis- 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 your boy's wife.
2: Yeah. Again, it's one of those things. It's the only thing I have to judge her on, and it's like it's it's not even. And that's the thing. The Willie Scott character is so terribly written <laughs> that like I don't know who like 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 I don't know like how much to like put on her. Um. um but yes. Um. But yeah. Like when when you go. Like okay, so like we move into like the nineteen sixties with this movie, um, which by the way, I can again like Fred was like this in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And keep in mind, I think Temple of Doom and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull are sort of the weakest of the franchise up until this point. Um, but that being said, I think they have highs um, and lows to them that like it, it's sort of like a shifting scale. Um, but like. I think in Kingdom of Crystal's goal, I think in the opening prologue, I think it kind of does something more interesting with the time frame than this one does with the 60s, where, you know, the most much malign nuking uh, the fridge moment, I think kind of speaks to the fact that, like, I think it's like a clever, um, you know, talking about, like, the nuclear family being exploded. Uh, um, and it's something that Indiana Jones lacks, you know, uh, I I thought that was like a clever use of the time frame, um, and then also, and like this one and that one, where it kind of just starts off with like the younger character that's related to Indiana Jones. Well, I guess Phoebe Waller Bridge is the goddaughter of Indiana Jones, kind of visiting him on his college campus. Even
0: in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I think it's done better. Where um, I, think, I think I think the scene where he meets Mutt, like fine, you know, as yeah. in line as Mutt is as a character.
2: And also the motorcycle chase through uh, the college is like a highlight in that film, and it ends on a clever gag of um, uh, home Elliott's like he- uh, Brody uh, head like landing on the uh, commies, like it just it, it, like I, I like again like um, whereas like in this movie like just it's it, it's it's just a lot of exposition and the characters are not giving it any flavor to like you know, roll off.
0: Well, Fred, let me get back to you. Was was there any, were there any like new, I mean, you you can even, we haven't even really talked much about Phoebe Waller-Bridge yet. Like, I mean, are Josh and I skipping over any other like kind of new elements they introduced in the film that actually worked for you? Or was was there not much new to this thing besides just Phoebe Waller-Bridge that worked for you, assuming she even did?
1: So Josh made a very interesting point just now where he was talking about how Kingdom of the Crystal Skull opened in the 1950s. So -hmm. that way you're establishing your setting right away, right? It's uh, in the middle of the desert. There's this town that's about to be blown up by a nuclear bomb, which was obviously a huge threat in those uh, days. The villains are the Soviets, who are obviously the big bad guys on the world stage at that point in time. But this movie pointedly, opens in the 1940s, right? It doesn't open up in present day. So you're immediately making the villains the Nazis yet again. And I just don't think that's an especially interesting use of your time period because it is the 1960s, right? The world has moved on to an extent. You're in a very different geopolitical landscape. And the whole idea is that Indiana Jones has kind of outgrown his usefulness in a way because yeah, you don't really need the adventurer anymore, but you also don't really need the guy who fights the Nazis anymore because the, all of that was 30 years ago. And now it's the late 60s and you're going back to the well again and you have a guy who came over here to the United States, which obviously is historically established with Operation Paperclip that a lot of German scientists did yeah, come over he's, here. Yeah, he's a
0: Werner <inaudible> Von Braun analog.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that's perfectly fine. But then I really would have liked him to sort of implement a scheme that was more related to what was actually going on in the world in present day as opposed to literally going back to the 1940s. Don't you, get a, don't you get a kick
0: though, out of like someone going back to kill Hitler to do it better as opposed to just like the would you kill baby Hitler uh you know moral quandary people like to pose it's like oh I would go kill Hitler but just so I could do his job better like it's something <laughs> kind of ironic about that being a plot point in a major movie.
2: It, it, by the way the movie that is kind of reminds me of a little bit, and this probably because I just saw it not too long ago, but it has a it's a similar long-awaited sequel, and you know, like a franchise that goes into the 60s, but Men in Black Three, um, <laughs> where it's one of those things where it's like they're trying to like, all right, we're gonna spice up this franchise. Um, we're gonna deal with the space race. It, it well, this movie barely as he was Did as Fred was saying t- in black. I don't even know if I saw
0: Men in Black Three.
2: Um, You're not missing much. It's a, it's a uh, borrow Fred's yeah. term. It's a superfluous, it's a superfluous sequel. It is. Sequel. Yeah. It is.
1: <laughs> Although I do think Josh Brolin is a really good stand-in for Tommy Lee Jones in that movie. Yeah. The transition is like almost perfect. You look at the younger version of Tommy Lee Jones' character and you're like, wow.
2: Yeah, I'm, at the, I'm looking at the, the cover actually.
0: photo on Letterbox right now. I see what you say. For, I see what you're saying, Fred. But oh yeah, no, I, I never logged that movie on PhotoBox. I think I might have just missed it. <laughs>
2: I, I I missed it at the time, and I and there's a lot of Men in Black three defenders. Um, it's weird because like Men in Black two gets a lot of hate. Haven't seen it in a long time, but like I I don't really get why like that gets a lot of hate, and this one's sort of like again, I don't think anybody really loves outside of PTA uh, Men in Black three. But, um um but like it's people view it as like a, a corrective and that's the other thing that I kind of find funny about um the Indiana Jones franchise to Fred's point anytime that like the, they feel like they're losing the audience they revert back like to the Nazis as the main villains as like a corrective like Temple of Doom okay people didn't like that so in last Crusade and my thing and this is okay I kind of want to you guys is like run down the uh, franchise because I think Raiders of the Lost Ark is a perfect movie. I think Temple of Doom um, is a very flawed sequel, but I, I think it's sort of like important in terms of like, I, I think as a horror film, it's very interesting. I think it has really good gags, um, but just there's a lot of uncomfortable stuff that kind of bogs that movie down. And then I think Last Crusade is it's kind of interesting because I I've always thought Last Crusade was a like a I've come around on Last Crusade where I always thought that movie was like on a technical level like kind of perfect but like it just felt mecha- it felt like the most mechanical Spielberg movie where it's like he is doing all the beats correctly but it didn't really even though that's his favorite and it's the one that like you know it's the father son story it didn't really feel like it had like his like idiosyncratic touches to it it just felt more you know mechanical but now watching it post Fablemans it's like okay this is a weird (laughs) important text um Indy and his dad like um share the same woman (laughs) um the ends on a horizon shot (laughs) um and then kingdom the crystal skull like now like Blanchett's haircut is like the same one as like his mom <laughs> in the table.
0: <laughs> uh, I, 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 that did not register with me when I was watching King of the Crystal School. But I'll, I'll say it's funny that you, uh, I, I don't even decide to disagree with you like Raiders being perfect. Though when I did this latest rewatch, I actually think I might have enjoyed watching Last Crusade the most. I'm not sure if there yeah. are certain highs in that were that were higher, though I can't even disagree with someone that says Raiders is better because I think there's I don't think Elsa is like a great character, so that yeah, I, but neither yeah,
1: the is Marion Ravenwatch. I mean, that's the f- weird thing about it. I mean, there. Is such a problematic core to that relationship that you yeah. always address. Where I mean, he was much older than her, and she was, I don't know, 14 or 15 when they first met, Ugh. and he was seducing her. So, there's always that weird undercurrent where there's where she's basically sold as the big love of his life, when in reality, the origins of that relationship were immensely problematic.
0: Yeah, not not a, not a, not like a super uh, not, not not like the yeah, maybe a little bit of problematic relationship, maybe not the the best character ever to supporting character ever in a female lead character in a movie like this but like i do think like they, they had a little more on-screen chemistry or like banter was more interesting to look at than whatever like you know elsa was doing just being like a double agent or whatever like that they like the scene where they find out they both slept with her is great uh mm-hmm. and, and funny but like i just think like i think maybe like karen allen brought more to it than uh allison duty did and i just so like i don't know there, there are parts of it where i was like ah, i don't really know about her but like i think overall like yeah maybe raiders uh a little more consistent even if like yeah that, that relationship has some uh problematic roots for sure but I, I i do think it's a good point that josh made about like kind of them like toggling back and forth between nazis no nazis nazis no nazis because i kind of cut fred off when he was making his point before about that and i'm curious fred do you think it's more of a problem of like nazis being a tired thing they're doing here or maybe mads mickelson not like knocking out playing knocking and not playing a nazi out of the park like you would think mads mickelson would because i don't know if that's like the most exciting character to hang out with in this movie as someone like a Belloc, you know, who might just honestly be more charismatic as good of an actor as we know Mads Mikkelsen is.
1: Which is bizarre, right? Because Mm -hmm. Jürgen Waller is arguably the first, like, main villain Nazi that we've had in this entire franchise.
0: Yeah, they're often just uh, there, you know, yeah.
1: Yeah, they're just there. Usually they're kind of the uh, underlings of the main bad guy because, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's really Belloc, who is a French archaeologist, kind of Indiana Jones turned bad like somebody who's in the profession almost entirely for profit. Um, And then in Last Crusade, it's Walter Donovan, who's really a very similar character, except an American version of him, right? Also interested in artifacts, collaborates with the Nazis for the money, um, also goes back, um, goes after an artifact that's mentioned in the Bible. I mean, really, Last Crusade is almost the exact same movie as Raiders of the Lost Ark, except I actually like Last Crusade better because of that Sean Connery uh, Harrison Ford relationship, and especially when you've seen, especially when you've seen the TV show The Adventures of Young Indiana Jones, which really kind of expands upon that relationship a little bit and you see uh, just how dismissive uh, Indiana Jones's father was of him, uh, how strict he was, how he basically treated him as one of his students uh, that he would have taught in college, Uh, you really get a stronger sense of why their relationship has deteriorated so badly that they hadn't spoken in two decades. Uh, and why they really need to make this effort to bond again in the late 1930s over like a shared historical interest that they have. So I think there is an emotional core in that movie, not to mention, I think, a lot of humor that Connery brings to the part um, that makes that one just a little bit more rewatchable for me, I guess. But um, I, I think the problem that I really have with Dial of Destiny is it's not even so much about the Nazis being back. It's that you have this really weird, I think, tonal... Disagreement in the movie where Indiana Jones is really a relic of the past here. I mean, one of the very first scenes we see him, like, he looks old, like he has his shirt off, he's sitting in his apartment, he's about to grab a, I mean, he does actually grab a baseball bat and goes down to his younger neighbors to start yelling at them. Like, he's this old, grumpy guy. And James Mangold made a really good movie about an old guy past his prime who's kind of like struggling with the mistakes he's made in the past. A lot of his friends have died. And that's Logan right? And I think that movie really understood that character. I think Logan
0: really... might have been like my second favorite movie of 2017, if I remember correctly. I, re- I really like Logan.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, and, and I like yeah, the I Wolverine. That, <laughs> yeah, I think that movie really understands the character and it stayed lo- loyal, I think, to its tone throughout the entire movie, where you get to an ending point where the sacrifice he makes like, rings true for that character and what his journey was. The problem is, you have in this movie, on one hand, old Indiana Jones, sort of like on his last legs, going on one more adventure. And then you have Phoebe Waller Bridge as Helena Shaw, who's kind of introduced as this comic relief character. And they're also, I think, trying to sell her a little bit too hard to us as this big new, like potential replacement character who can take over the franchise at some point. So they're trying to really sell us on her as somebody who. If people in the audience think that she's as awesome as we're presenting her, then maybe down the road we can keep this franchise going without Harrison Ford somehow. But they didn't really like try and, and that,
0: bla- they didn't try and do it as blatantly as they did with Mutt in the last one. It's like they kind of like it's like maybe we could do didn't that, they, but they I but don't didn't know if they, they really did
1: because I feel like Indiana Jones almost gets kind of crowded out of his own movie in certain scenes here, and she is really the one who does the majority of this stuff. In part because Harrison Ford is like in his late seventies, early eighties, so sure. he can't really do a lot of that young like person young actor action stuff anymore mm. but still i thought it was just a little bit too blatant where they tried to sell us this at times actually really ethically problematic and not especially likable character especially in the beginning as this potential like new protagonist and it, it just, i think the just balance of that didn't really work out for me because you really have two different movies with two totally different characters uh that you never quite Interesting. I feel like I
0: feel like I feel like most people like even the ones that are cool in the movie might have like kind of enjoyed that character more than you did. Um I'm I guess- with you,
2: yeah, like I'm with you, Josh, where like I, I thought like the balance, as you said, like it's not as blatant as Mutt, which by the way, two things on that front. Like, A, like, I never thought Shia was bad in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. He gets a lot of flack for it, but I don't think he's the problem of that movie. And then B, I actually weirdly like how they killed off his character in this movie where i thought like a lot of the pathos of the film comes from spoiler alert mutt williams has died in between the last uh indiana jones movie in the vietnam war and that death um has broken up him and marion ravenwood And he apparently
0: enlisted to spite indy because of some kind of argument they had and uh, indy like blames himself for it
2: yeah and and i think like And again, like when it's like an old man contemplating his life regrets and stuff, I think that's where the movie really sings. Um, And by the way, going back to like your earlier question about whether or not Mangle was a good fit for this. And it kind of, and this is, and it kind of goes back to like uh, Fred's point about the Nazis feeling a little bit tired is that, you know, there's two directors that I think actually would have been like. A suitable replacement for uh, Spielberg. I was going to ask you to.
0: I was going to ask you who you would have, who else you would have thought of.
2: So my first choice, right, uh, when I heard that this was happening, and assuming that like Spielberg doesn't direct, right, my first choice would have been Clint Eastwood. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh man. Someone would have gotten hurt on that movie like just one take. <laughs> I get it right. <laughs> um um okay, so, oh, sorry man. sorry.
0: Where, where are you going with that? Sorry.
2: <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um Damien Chazelle. Um I think mm. cuz th- I think Damien Chazelle has like that 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 old Hollywood um you know uh uh, uh sort of a uh, uh, affinity but also you think of the very dynamic direction and, and writing that he does like I think it would have been actually a perfect fit um, and then the other person who I saw get floated around um, who I'm like oh man that would have been a perfect choice because it would have he would have brought both like because he contemporized a very old Hollywood type genre and made the best version of this type of movie but would have gotten kind of in that temple of doom cat. Ca- category of like the darker elements uh Gore Verbinski yeah, mm.
0: sure.
2: yeah. yeah. So and I game. yeah and I and I think that's like the problem with this film is that it just feels like again it feels superfluous because it is done with like in like it's done with a certain type of craftsmanship but it's not done it's done without any type of cleverness at all like throughout the entire film what's one exception, which is the final set piece, which right. I I think it's inventive. I think it's an invent. I think it's a fun idea that fits thematically with the movie, even if it's not necessarily like on page. I mean, on screen executed well.
0: Well, so it's funny um, you should mention the last set piece because my, my other big take I really hadn't gotten off my chest yet was that like I and I don't know if this is more on Mangold, the director, or him and the rest of the writers combined, but like I just thought a lot of the beats felt like. I don't know, it felt like too familiar, and and I'm hesitant to, like, criticize them too much for it, because, like, there's certain things you want to get out of it when you go to an Indiana Jones movie, you can't blame them for, like, doing callbacks or other things, but it's, like, I found myself just kind of, like, bored a little bit, like, when they were down in the tomb. It's like I feel like I've been mm-hmm. in so many tombs with Indiana Jones. It might be because I've watched all those movies in close succession the last few times. But it's like there's only so many way, different ways to shoot a tomb or to have the, production, <laughs> have the production diner like like you know attack a dark tomb. Like I feel like it's something I've just seen a lot. And I was like, man, I, and, and that's why I thought it was interesting when you mentioned like the motorcycle chase through the college campus in Crystal Skulls. Like that at least felt like something different, something that they really mm-hmm. hadn't done mu- much as far as a set like a setting for an action scene. Honestly, I, I found myself enjoying Crystal Skull more than I expected to because I think again I hadn't watched it in 15 years and I just heard people shit on it so i think i went Mm -hmm. in with like really low expectations but the fact is that was something different And here it's like all right like i've seen him before in i've seen him before in the desert i've seen him in tombs like this is all just feeling like very familiar and i'm not getting a lot new out of it or like running around like an old city kind of like where they were you know when they when they were hanging out in i guess in sicily before they went to the um before they went to the grave digging or whatever like it's all of that looked like things i'd kind of seen before till we got to the final set piece which i feel like has been pretty divisive from what i've seen and i was just like look like they they, they freaking went for it and i respected it and they showed me something different and it looked cool visually like yeah obviously you're gonna it's gonna involve cgi of some when you're doing that but i never thought it was like hokey cgi I'm like this is a cool clash of different kind of you know things to put on screen at the same time is like and i mean i'm not trying to talk around spoilers people i'm not I'm not we're not doing a spoiler section I'm just like you know just like flying a plane through freaking like you know those those times was just like a cool idea and something that didn't feel like like jumping the shark for one of these movies based on like where all of the other movies end up in the final acts it's like this like time travel is not like a huge leap for me to make i I just didn't i I was like i wasn't like i didn't think they were like going too off the beaten path and i just like was like all right cool this looks different and i'm glad y'all went for it and i wish you could have like taken a couple other risks before that and then it would have made the movie feel a little less from a little a little less familiar and there could have been um, on, on top of that, if we cut out some of the stuff I had talked about earlier, whether it be the opening, whether it be the CIA subplot, that was stupid. They just kind of gave up on that midway through the movie. Uh, and I was just like, there's so many other things you could have cut out here and put in some new stuff. And even if like, I like parts of it in isolation, it's like, I saw a lot of opportunities for you to like do some different things. in that last act made me wish you would like just gone out on a, gone out on a few more limbs. Uh, Fred, did, did the last, did, did the last sequence like do it for you in a way maybe the rest of the movie didn't, or were you kind of like already checked out by that point?
1: Let me touch on a few points you guys made yeah. earlier because a few of them were kind of interesting where I had additional thoughts. Yeah. So what you were saying earlier about what happened with Mutt, uh, that he enlisted in the army and then he got killed in Vietnam. I think that's actually really interesting for the movie to go there because it perfectly reflects uh, what happened with Indiana Jones and his own father in the mm. TV show where Indiana Jones enlists in World War I without asking his father. He's actually way too young to really enlist. He fakes his age. He fakes his name. Uh, doesn't even tell his dad that he's going off to Europe to fight. Uh, And then they don't really communicate for several years because his dad is so pissed off that he just uh, left and decided to throw his life away for a cause that America at the time wasn't even invested in because America didn't join World War One until much later. So obviously, Indiana Jones survived the war. He came home. He was able to go to college, become an archaeologist, but his own relationship with his father was still uh, in a really bad spot. So it's interesting that Mutt went off, didn't come back home, obviously, in Indiana, never got a chance to patch things up.
0: Does uh, it even that. matter? Is that stuff considered canon? Are we supposed to take that TV yes. show as being everything that really happened? I guess if George Lucas was behind it. So yeah. it's, it's kind of interesting. It's yeah. not really necessarily, like he's, he's he's mad at Mutt for that, but we don't really necessarily get a reference to him having no, done that himself. It's you know? just something and like also- if
1: you're like, if you're a little bit more invested like in the overall canon, and you've seen that TV show, it's interesting how kind of things reflect back on his Sort of like revolve back into his own life that Indiana Jones would probably be able to relate to, and also even
2: Harrison Ford comes back in like a cameo towards like the end as like old Indiana Jones, which oh, yeah. is kind of funny. It's kind of yeah. funny. I think they aged up like Harrison Ford like more than he actually looks now. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. But yeah. Like. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Fred. I
1: was gonna say it's also briefly referenced in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. There's a scene where. uh mud and Indiana talk about uh, the Mexican Revolution and how he wrote with Pancho Villa in Mexico like that is an episode oh. in the eventual oh. of young Indiana Jones. so like just very brief like kind of a throwaway line but yeah. enough where you're like okay so it's clearly something that the movie still recognizes being part of Indiana Jones's experience right. uh, growing up. Um, and then the other thing I was going to mention is you mentioned that tomb scene in Sicily mm-hmm. and part of my problem with that was I mean, when these movies do these particular moments in tombs, usually the very interesting tombs. Like in Raiders of the Lost Ark, you have the famous boulder scene, right? Where he picks up the artifact, and then he gets chased out of the caverns by that big rolling ball. I kept, I kept, expecting, last... I kept
0: expecting a booby trap the whole time. Yeah. In, the...
1: in The Last Crusade, you have those three trials, right? Where you have to um, like take that leap of faith off of the lion's head. I mean, there's interesting stuff here. In like, yeah, Jones has to like really like use his deductive capabilities uh, mm-hmm. as an adventurer to make it through those like, locations alive. But for the tomb in Sicily, I just never really got the sense that there was any particular kind of inventiveness aside from the stuff you would find in, I don't know, National Treasure, Book of Secrets, or Uncharted. And when I'm starting to compare an Indiana Jones movie to those um, knockoffs, essentially, mm-hmm. like movies that came out much later that were clearly inspired by what Spielberg did in the 80s, Um, But that aren't really part of the original brand, Mm. then I think you have a problem.
2: Mm. And actually, it's funny because the you know I I I want to be clear. I like Last Crusade, and I rewatched it earlier this year, and I had a greater appreciation for it because it I could see the snappiness of like Spielberg's uh, direction and also the chemistry Ford and Connery have together. Um, My The only thing about that movie is, like, for me, the greatest slog in the film is actually the Venice sequence. (laughs) Um, And precisely what you're saying, where I think, like, the tomb with the rats and stuff, that's, like, to me, the most boring part of the film. But that being said, like, compare, again, like, a really clever example of using, like, a tomb is, like, compare it to the one in Temple of Doom, where you have, like, the spikes coming down. Like, I think it, it reminds me a little bit of, like um sort of like the hitchcock uh like approach uh, to suspense where basically you know um you could get like a cheap reaction from the audience by like you know if you blew up a bus right but if you like show the audience that there's a bomb and the characters don't know about it now you're dealing with suspense or whatever and i think with like temple of doom or any of the other sequences we've mentioned like spielberg's really good at ramping up the tension and then combining it with a little bit of humor as well um and i think like if you go back to temple of doom and you see that sequence with the spikes coming down and they have to figure it out and it ends with indy grabbing his hat at the last minute it's it's fun you know um and that's the thing with this movie it's like it's not very fun like um and it's funny there's like a sequence where they're going through i believe like tangier and i'm like you know i think like tintin did this better um (laughs) like when they're like in that little car yeah yeah Yeah. Hmm. Um, it's a
1: great chase sequence
2: yeah yeah again it's 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 one of those things where it's not fair to compare Mangle to spielberg Um, um, but it is. I think. I think he is the main ingredient as to because again, even the Lucas of this all, right? Because Lucas has notoriously bad ideas. Like the making of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is kind of funny because throughout it, it's basically like Spielberg talking about how like I didn't want to do a movie with aliens, and Lucas kept pushing it on me, and then like um, Lucas is like. Steve, all right, I know you don't want to do aliens, right? I got something better. And he's, and then like Spielberg's (laughs) like, great. That's the best thing I've heard like all year. What do you have? Uh, Yeah. Do you know string theory? Yeah. All right. They're interdimensional beings. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's like, okay, so what do they look like? Aliens. But like I think like again like I think the weird like again I think the father son stuff in Last Crusade is is Steve I think the film's rhythms are Steve's I like I think all the weird stuff in the Indiana Jones movies are, are Steve like from the opening musical number in, in Temple of Doom and so I think that's why I like those those movies even Kingdom of the Crystal Skull feel like they're moving in a forward direction. Whereas this one is not like the only, I, again, like I like that final set piece because it's thematically appropriate. Like, of course, this archeologist finally has a chance to go back in time, which feels very similar to In Last Crusade about what the Holy Grail represents uh, in terms of like the father son stuff. Um, um, But yeah, like it, again, like it, it's a really hard movie to like criticize because it's like in the moment, it's not necessarily like this movie. I think if one told me like, hey, I like Die of Destiny more than Temple of Doom or Kingdom of Crystal Skull because it's just more consistent, I can understand that. But I would rather take the messiness of Temple of Doom and rather take the messiness of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull over just this consistently mm-hmm. bland movie.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting that Mads Mikkelsen, I mean, he, he's, a, he's a very interesting choice to play a villain in an Indiana Jones movie, because he's been in basically every single major franchise there's been now. Uh, I mean, he played Hannibal Lecter, for Christ's sake. He was a really good Bond villain. Uh, but for some reason, this particular franchise just doesn't lend itself to his strength, which is I think that he is a very good, serious, and sinister kind of villain. And that's not really what this franchise needs. Like, there's something sort of like quiet and menacing. He's about almost his too. Approach being a bad guy
2: he's almost too obvious for like the villain role. <laughs> like it's almost yep. like we have a Nazi villain. All right, call Matt. It's like, um, would you, you want Would so- you
0: want it more like Boyd Holbrook was the villain, one of the villains in Logan. Would you have been uh, happy? Like to see it more focus on like that character. That's like, a, no, he's boring American in the movie. Nazi. Okay. He's completely yeah. boring. Yeah. yeah.
2: Like, like no. Um, and then another person who's kind of squandered in the movie is Antonio Banderas. um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, he he knew what he was signed up for. Like, I saw, I saw someone say, like, it seemed like he probably just wanted to say he was in in, in 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 an Indiana Jones movie, and they gave him the chance, and he did it. Even he just wasn't there for that long, but he could say he was in one. <laughs> See, uh, but here's the thing: you
2: know, like one thing that this movie does, and I think Kingdom Crystal Skull does, uh, I kind of don't like, is like in 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 Crystal Skull, like you know, there's like a Brody like equivalent um, with uh, uh, what's Jim's character. Yeah, Jim Robbins' character, and here's Toby Jones. I'm like, you don't need another Brody. You don't need another version of that character. Like, I think that they're kind of boring. Um, and and like also in *King of Crystal Skull*, I think one of the weakest links in it. Um. Is the John Hurt character? I just think, like, if you have a character that's like brainwashed for half the movie, I, I, it's that, just like, not I,
0: I, that, that bothered me more than anything. As I was rewatching Crystal Skull, it's like you have John Hurt, like, let him actually act. This is stupid,
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the Ray Winstone triple, like, crossing, like, stuff, it just gets ridiculous. But, 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 like, as I was saying, like, I, I could have gone without Toby Jones in this movie, I could have gone um without like Antonio Banderas like just nobody really stands out in a in in a memorable way outside of just indie like uh Harrison Ford's arc like just grieving um I think is much more interesting and that's actually the weird thing that worked for me in this movie and I guess we're towards the ending now um but bringing back marion in like the final scene i actually found kind of touching i was actually invested in a side subplot of these two people grieving their son sure
1: yeah weirdly so so, no sorry go ahead
0: no no you go ahead
1: i was gonna say i actually oddly enough disagree with that because Mm. i feel like if you really wanted that to be a stronger part of the movie then you shouldn't just have a marion show up only in the very last scene because i think if you're really going for this idea that they're going to give it another shot and heal together she needs to be a bigger part of the movie and not just come back in the last scene for almost a surprise cameo because you have that actress on hand now karen allen um, and i think the other problem that i have is kingdom of the crystal skull ended with Indiana Jones' happy ending, like he gets married to Marion. He has a son with him. They have a good relationship now. To me, that never rang true for the kind of character that Indiana Jones is because he always sucked at family. He (laughs) was always bad at relationships. I mean, he was ultimately married to his profession where he was an adventurer. He went after artifacts to put them in museums. Uh, And to me, the ending of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull just didn't ring true for what I would expect for that character to happen near the end of his life. So, for someone that's
0: married, so, to that kind of lifestyle—that's bad at family. Do you think he should have just like kind of like? Do you think uh, um, it seems like you think maybe a more true ending would have just been him like asleep in that recliner by himself?
1: I think that no. I think the true ending is he actually stays behind in the past.
0: Oh, yeah, wow. no,
2: I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Like, I was like, low key, is the Phoebe Waller-Bridge character just like just like secretly like evil? Because like what it, it, on the like okay. I'm like, let this old man, like, you know, this is his kind of dying wish or whatever. Just let him be there in the past. On the other hand, like, you know. If he stayed there, like uh, he probably wouldn't, you know, the, the uh, Nazis would have gotten the Ark of the Covenant and um, probably destroyed the world. So, you know, like, well,
1: no, because that's already history that happened, right? So, mm-hmm. like, if he goes back to the past at the end of his life, like he already took care of all of that. He's he's gonna get born again in eighteen ninety nine. I mean, <laughs> that's not really going to affect time in that sense. Oh, but I do think it would. Yeah. But I do think it would have rung true because. Again, I feel like because Marion wasn't really a part of this movie that he had moved on from that. He had kind of accepted that he had one last big adventure. That's really who he is. Again, he goes after treasure. He helps save the world from the evil Nazis. And now he's back in the past. He's an old guy. Doesn't really have much left in the present. So he kind of gets to become part of living history. And what really bothered me ultimately is that he didn't make the choice himself. I mean, he gets punched. And next thing he wakes up in his apartment and he's kind of forced to reckon with the fact that maybe he still has some semblance of a life left. Um, and I just didn't think that that was a particularly fitting ending for a guy who really, if he wanted to come back, should have made his own choice.
0: I think it's really so. fair that they took it out of his hands. Uh, so I, I get that you're you might dis- you might disagree with the note that ended up. We kind of got sidetracked, Fred. From after I asked you, what did you think of the execution of the of the the time travel sequence up until that point, and how did how did you feel about that overall? Because it seemed like Josh and I at least respected it i'm curious what you thought because you seem like you're uh maybe a little cooler on the movie than either of us are
2: no maybe i mean, i admired that
1: cool. yeah no i admired that they went there I, mm-hmm. I really did i thought that um i mean because the other option really would have been of course for them to end up in 1938 1939 munich and indiana jones would have been in the position where he had to decide okay do i essentially save hitler now because history needs to play out a certain way And that would have been a really interesting moral dilemma, but I don't really think that's what Indiana Jones ultimately is. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this was the much bolder choice. I think it really created a very interesting sort of uh, way of kind of upstaging the ending of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull almost, which some people thought was a little bit too extreme to go for extraterrestrial slash interdimensional beings. But I do think, in a way, you also need to keep upstaging yourself if you make a fifth movie in a franchise. You can't just go back to the well because that is literally what I complained about earlier. (laughs) They did for most of this movie. They went back to the Nazis again. They went back to some kind of artifact that they want to control the world. And then the last 10, 15 minutes, there's something much bigger at play where you really get the sense that they're trying something new. And it also takes Indiana Jones's pension for meeting historical characters to the next level because that's all he did in the young Indiana Jones TV show. And now mm-hmm. he literally gets to meet Archimedes. So again, another nice tie-in for somebody who is also a fan of that show and likes the fact that he got to meet Hitler in Last Crusade and now he gets to meet like one of the big ancient
0: math Gets to meet him. What a person. what 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 a pleasure. that gets to meet Hitler. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> have seen it. Um oh gosh. Um I'm trying to see if there's if there's anything else I really didn't hit on yet that i wanted to kind of talk about but i feel like we've kind of hit all the high points um actually uh,
2: speaking of hitting like yeah. um i want to make a side corner as as people of your show might know i've been recovering from an injury mm-hmm. and i just want to be like on i think like on almost all the indiana jones movies with maybe the exception of last crusade and kingdom the crystal Gold, mm-hmm. harrison ford keeps getting injured right and i'm constantly just again i've been obsessed with celebrity injuries um since my injury has uh occurred and unfortunately i don't have as much money as them and so like you know <laughs> i i i'm privy to like a slow recovery but oh my god like on the first indiana jones movie he the the sequence with the plane and and the buff nazi dude oh, yeah well, like, he, he
0: messed himself up on something with that right yeah he tore his acl <laughs> which is wild, which fu- like, in, in the early 80s, like that wasn't like a foregone conclusion, is like getting totally better from an ACL, like so fast, like athletes do in less than 12 months today. And he went on to start a bunch of action movies after them.
2: Yeah, no. And then in, in Temple of Doom, I think he like uh like had like a herniated disc or something like he hurt his back on like riding on the elephants or whatever. Um, and then on um um, force awakens he broke his leg um and he was back in like six weeks so it's it's and also like his plane injuries i've run right i read um that's actually the ones that have done the most damage to him where it's like that like like it, it hurt his pelvis and stuff and like that's been the ones that like he said took the biggest toll on him and his family but i'm just i'm just like saying like you know it was just announced that like uh tom cruise is willing to make like mission impossible movies into their in his 80s and i'm just like yo like you know it is possible for me to recover from my injury simply because i'm young but like if you break your bone when you're old you're like you're done you're through man (laughs) um i guess unless you're harrison ford and tom cruise who have like lots of money
0: <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm like more convinced tom cruise is gonna die doing an action movie than harrison ford is at this point someday but like i feel like we've never heard of like i'm sure he has but i feel like we've never heard of like tom cruise having like a like a dumb injury have we really on a scene well, well yeah uh, he uh, break um, his it, arm
1: and fall out isn't that literally like oh, in okay. the movie he when he makes that jump and then yeah yeah it
2: wasn't it wasn't it wasn't his arm it was like his ankle and oh, and um uh ben, ben duong i think one of your previous guests um who i've been consulting Drew mine uh who's a doctor uh mm-hmm. he told me that like yeah when it's like like lower like on your leg or whatever like an ankle injury those heal faster when it's closer to your knee that's like a long recovery you know mm-hmm. so um
0: so, yeah pr- what you're saying is you just hope you develop the old man strength of harrison ford someday should you ever get into action sports again
2: yeah i mean like and uh, just like look at him like like you know he like the scene where he was shirtless so i'm like oh he's in good
0: shape you know all things considering probably has lower body fat than i do right now i'll give him that <laughs> 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 oh, you know i appreciate harrison ford you know like clearly putting a lot into these movies like he's for all you can say about them i don't think he's mailing it in like you know even if like you know maybe the setup for this story could have you know like fred said it could have been better for like some of those emotional beats at the end he's like clearly invested in this like oftentimes in in public and not so much on this press tour but he has like a grumpy old man, like I don't give a fuck attitude. But it's like it's clearly like, he's clear he has really cared about the send off he has given all these characters over the last ten years, whether it be uh, whether it be Han Solo or uh, Deckard and uh, Blade Runner or or here. It's like he, he he's showing up to work, you know. I um and I, I think that i think that's i think any or even on the, even on the small screen stuff like i don't think i like shrinking as much as you did fred but like it's it's like cool he's like I, well he's into working and is trying very hard and that that is that is cool because he had a, a period of his career like before force awakens where no one really saw him do anything all that interesting for like 20 years you know um so i i, I i'm glad he's back and back and at it and um you know maybe You're I was
1: saying cowboys versus aliens wasn't interesting
0: I don't know if I've ever seen that actually but, but nothing I've heard people say about it as they've been do, doing Harrison Ford retrospectives the last few last month no nothing has made me like apt to want to go revisit it you know so yeah, I don't know no, it's not right good <laughs> um, but uh you know it's uh it's I'm I'm happy for him that he's getting to like go out on his own terms and do whatever I wish the movie was doing a little better financially I just don't know if it really is um, uh but what? Uh, whatever is. Um, Josh, is there anything else about Dial of Destiny we didn't talk about already that you wanted to touch on? Any other um c- scenes that you felt felt the need to shout out? Uh, I don't. I don't know if John Williams did anything all that new, but like you know, it's nice to have him around. Like any anything else, Josh? No, I'm good. <laughs> okay. Uh, Fred, any other final thoughts on Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny?
1: Yeah, like I said, I didn't think it was necessarily a terrible movie. I just think that. The franchise really told its story in the original trilogy already, and I thought the ending of *The Last Crusade*, where they do ride off in the sunset, and Indiana Jones and his father had this like nice moment where they reconciled, um, because he finally like calls him by his chosen name, and the Holy Grail is just left behind because it's not as important as their relationship. I thought that was a really nice moment to end oh. on, and I mean, there's always going to be some good content even in the fourth and fifth movie, but. I do think that ultimately the story had been told at that point, point. and when you go back to the well, I am—I I don't know. I always feel like a Wait, lot well, of times it's for financial reasons and not necessarily artistic, well, 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 sound ones. Well, of course. Oh, by, way,
2: by the way, by the I'm sorry, Fred just reminded me of like um, with what he said about Last Crusade about um, his father finally calling him by his chosen name. I'm like, wow. Well, look at there, uh, Professor Old uh, Professor Jones uh, dead naming his child.
0: um you you know i think it's interesting again like i i don't disagree like this stuff is um it's it's like it's like most definitely for the money but like i you know i think there's maybe a way to like have made them more the last couple more artistically successful and like exploring indiana jones as a father and like i don't disagree with josh and i don't necessarily think shy is bad in the last one but like you know maybe the, the storytelling overall in crystal skull is not necessarily as good and it, you know because of all shia's on-screen stuff even if like they would have wanted to kill mud off anyway even if shia didn't have any like didn't had had a more uh level-headed exp- or just lived a more normal existence in the last 10 years maybe they want to put indy in that space anyway but like you know i think if they just like i don't know like, maybe set it up a little better that he was a dad and then Explored that more because like maybe some of that stuff in isolation I, as josh said works more for me in the movie than it did for you but like there i, I think there could have been other story to tell about him if you had just like done it right like i mean certain franchises do go on past three movies and they find new new ground to mind it's just yeah uh, yeah of, that, course. Maybe, maybe, of course I, I i so i feel like there is a version of that here that maybe they could have done it they'd just done it better um and as far as the like the nazi thing i don't disagree with you though i, I i'm of the opinion like you know i'm I'm never gonna say no to like a charismatic Nazi that just gets his face beat in in the end, uh, but like I just don't think that was what Mads Mikkelsen was doing here. But like, why can't you know? I I think you like again like the, yeah the the two best ones do have Nazis as like a presence, but like I think at the same time you could have just had some other kind of character that you he was working against it didn't have to be the nazis if like there wasn't you weren't going to get like an interesting performance there you could have gone somewhere else with it i don't know where but it's like i I think i think 1969 is a cool setting too like we didn't really talk about that like i enjoyed their depiction of the manhattan in the 60s and uh you know the scenes and some of the scenes i probably did enjoy more and I, i saw one podcast i was listening to earlier like they criticized like the horse on the subway scene that didn't bother me i I don't sure maybe there was some computer generated stuff in there but like again more stuff that just looked different the war protests the celebrating the moon landing riding a horse on the damn subway like that was cool stuff too and like hell like not that not that you you don't make an indiana jones movie and not leave the continental u.s but like I, i i i i enjoyed that sequence almost as much as anything else in the movie and it's like maybe you find some other kind of villain and you hang out in New York a little longer and maybe again, streamline everything that comes after that on top of cutting off the first 30 minutes, which again, as I said before, I don't think added much. Like, I just think you have enough resources here and enough talent here that I do think there is just a way to do it, but I can't disagree with Fred that like, there's probably a better, there's also a better way to do it. So, um, yeah, uh, that's, that's that, uh, you know, maybe we'll be back here, uh, you know, in, um, you know, in, uh, in, in, another, uh, well, about to say we may be back here, I was gonna make a joke about another like Indiana Jones movie or something in the future, but like, I think Fred and I are gonna be back here in two weeks talking about another Tom Cruise uh, action movie, and he has already said he's gonna be doing it till he's 80, so maybe we will be talking about them in our 50s. I don't know. Uh, Josh, before we get out of here, uh, anything else? Uh, anything else you've been watching recently that you want to shout out? You've made a triumphant return to the movie theaters. Anything else you want to plug? Um, well, I did see
2: past lives, and um, unlike this movie, some movies are good for your soul, I guess. <laughs>
0: that's a great recommendation. It's one that I saw when I was in Los Angeles and that movie got a very slow release. So I'm debating like, I mean, I think I've heard, some people think it should end up like, you know, in the best picture conversation, but I mean, I think I'm going to hold off on doing a podcast on it until it's streaming and everyone has quicker access to it. Maybe it'll gain a second life because at this point when when, when no one else that I know saw it until I'd already been a month removed from seeing it. So past lives is really good. And is I think I I, I I might have plugged it at some point. I don't know if I did. But it, it is a really good movie about just like, you know, honestly, like reflecting on life and what if and the different paths we take and they make it very, it's very artistic and very engrossing, even if it's not especially action packed. Um, Fred, anything else you've been watching recently, you would like to plug for the listeners.
1: Yeah, I already gave my long pitch for mm-hmm. the adventures of Young Indiana Jones, which is now on Disney Plus. Uh, the what? I mean, it's 22 movies, so it is a long commitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that I would recommend people do watch—it's called Treasure of the Peacock's Eye—that uh, is chapter 18. And the reason why that one's kind of interesting is because it's sort of a prequel to Temple of Doom. It's the story where Indiana Jones and his friend Remy, right after World War One, uh, chase after uh, Alexander the Great's diamond. Hmm. peacock's eye the diamond that is very prominently featured in the opening scene in temple of doom uh with Che in that nightclub in shanghai uh which is again it's a 90s movie shot on a tv budget um but it's really uh nicely done there's uh, some globe trotting going on it takes indian jones and uh, remy to egypt um to, jo- to java to the pacific islands uh in 1918 So some really nicely done stuff that I recommend if people are interested in checking out that show at all. Treasure of the Peacock's is the one I would definitely uh, prioritize. And I would also like to mention Silo again. I think I mentioned that on the last... Yeah, uh, I think you did, but you finish it now
0: or something?
1: Now it's it's done. Yep, the first season just ended. Uh, Really good stuff. Uh, Really set itself up very well. Had some very nice payoffs in the last few episodes. Got renewed for a second season and I would definitely recommend people do give that a watch before the second season comes out sometime in 2026 because there's still a writer's strike going on, and who knows at this point when we're ever going to get seasons of TV hmm. again. So pay your writers. It's important. People want content.
0: I second that. I don't remember what I the, – the, the last podcast people have heard as of this one would have been Elemental, and I can't remember what I plugged at the end of that. It might have been – the bear season three two because i was i i think i just started it when i started now i have one episode left that's still really good but in case i just want to say something new like the only thing i've watched that's like recently for the first time only thing i've really watched recently that like i don't think i've already plugged that i can actually say i enjoyed was i went on hbo max and for some reason watched dangerous liaisons which i'd never seen before and had Mm -hmm. a very fun had a very fun had had a very fun time with uh watching uh watching john malkovich and michelle pfeiffer and um um uma Thurman just like do and glenn close just do fun period close. drama stuff and just be rich people talking about you know who's fucking who and who's screwing over who uh it was a it was a, it was a nice time and one of those movies that you know they just don't make them like that anymore and i i i had, I, had, I had a very enjoyable time with that and uh and just like i mean quite in like i mean I, I i've like i just happen to watch more john malkovich movies i feel like in the last two years than i had in like the previous 10 and like it was just funny he like really really ate oh also like a very fun funny kind of early keanu reeves performance uh and it's just like uh funny to like watch like but it was just really fun to watch john malkovich like honestly like play one of the worst people i've ever seen in a movie but seem to have a lot of fun doing it so
2: actually speaking of malkovich like how it yeah. sort of ties into this episode is like mm-hmm. in empire of the sun uh uh the spielberg movie that he's in around the same time he is kind of like an indie like a more like a scumbag version of indiana jones oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> to a certain extent um but like an under like it's one of like his performance in that movie is like one of those like underrated spielberg performances
0: really okay i've actually never seen Empire of the sun um oh yeah you should you should yeah no yeah baby there, there,
2: christian there. bale yeah yeah no <laughs> yeah and also there is a fa- there's a fableman connection like the, like the mom in that movie your first introduced her like playing the piano um it's just like yeah once you see the Fablements and then going back it's just like oh it's always there it, all, yeah, it always yeah always there yeah
0: well uh, that's, a, that's a there's a, there, there are like a couple of random older spielberg blind spots for me and that's one of them so like something i have look forward to doing when i have more time on my hands is like in hell i mean I want them to pay the writers, but like that, that 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 would be one of my first order of business. Of if, if like we ran out of TV, is like you know go watch this, go watch whatever the good other good di- movies of old directors are that like you've never seen, which is kind of what I did in twenty twenty. Uh, so like we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge uh, when it comes. Uh, Josh, uh, where where can people find you if they want to follow you on Letterbox or Instagram or anything like that?
2: Um, you know, just usual Letterbox JKB sixteen twenty six, and then my photography thing, which is kind of dormant until I recover. Uh, brown film collective
0: there you go fred where can people follow you on uh, social media or letterboxd or whatever
1: Uh, letterboxd my username is frederick0702 but you can also just find me if you type in fred Kolb. i wrote very detailed reviews uh, for all the young dana jones movies so feel free to check those out if you're interested at all uh in that show uh or on twitter i don't really tweet much anymore but occasionally i'll retweet stuff so that would be at fred the german
0: as usual, I'm Josh Chernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y on both Twitter and Letterboxd. Though I am probably even more dormant on both Letterboxd and Twitter than Fred is on Twitter because I've just so busy with work lately that like all my spare time goes to recording and editing the podcast, and now having to spend time driving to the movies because you know, um, you know, uh, it's again, I'm just you know, it's, it's it is what it is. I'm not going to make people listen to me whine about that again, but you know, I'm going to dump like two months worth of Letterboxd reviews at some point in the next day, and then I'll only be two months behind. Uh, But like I do have some written so you can look out for that. I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank Fred and Josh for joining me coming up next on the podcast. uh, We will have an episode on, like I said, Fred will be back in a couple weeks to talk about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, which uh, Daniel might be jumping on that one too. But like, we will have stuff for you every week. It's just uh, figuring out what's what. Oh, and uh, Daniel is going to join with Gage for the blackening. Uh, cause I mean, I, D- Daniel made me waste an hour and a half of my life going to see that. Uh, so, you know, that is what it is. It's, I'm going to get content out of it if I certainly not getting that hour and a half of my life back. So, uh, yeah, thanks to, thanks to Fred and Josh for joining me. Thanks to all you for listening again, and we'll see you next time.